0: This is Socrates and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 159 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko, as always, and I'm joined for this episode by a special guest. It's Terry DeFellon. You might know him from Twitter at Bundesbag or from podcasts like The Sound of Football or Talking Foosball. And uh, I think many of you don't know that he is actually the guy behind the Yellow Wall, one of the founders of the Yellow Wall. So um, yeah. He is the source, so to speak. And Harry, I'm excited to have you here.
0: Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. To well, him. I, it's a great pleasure.
1: You, you, you basically just have to raise your finger and ask if you want to be on here because it's more or less your show. You're still paying for the service. So, um, you know, it's all yours. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just so glad that, uh, you give us the yellow wall, this great platform to, to make this podcast happen every week. Um Matthias Zug also wanted to be here but he is uh, picking up his son which is probably a little bit more important than uh, talking about FC Schalke and sporting and previewing Hamburg. Yes this is what we will do in this episode and I can already tell you guys that I have a little snippet of Mr. Pulisic after the derby so that's something to look forward for Um, Terry. Without any further ado, let's dive right in and talk about the scoreless draw against Schalke 04. Uh, that was, yeah, how was that?
0: Well, um, uh, it was not a, a, the most entertaining of matches if you're after goals. Um, it wasn't without its uh, intrigue, but, uh, from a, a Dortmund perspective, it was uh, quite disappointing, particularly uh, in the first half. Uh, I think that Dortmund's rotation issues, their injuries and, and the sort of slight out of sorts nature that they're in at the moment really, uh, took its toll. And, and also it, it's, it's has to be acknowledged that, that Shaka are, are an, an improving side. If if we, if this fixture had been maybe three, four weeks ago, it would have been a very different outcome, I suspect. But, uh, second half was a, a, an improvement. Um, certainly, but, but still. It's difficult, probably not enough really to justifiably win the game. I don't know what you thought.
1: Uh, I think I think the second half would actually justify for Dortmund to win the game because uh, they actually created chances while Schalke really didn't do much all the game. I I don't know. I don't really recall a huge chance for Schalke. Do you like a, like a sitter where you would say has to score? By no means, no. By no
0: means. Um, I'm, I think probably what I mean is is that it was one of those situations where I think both the managers of both teams could probably have claimed that they deserved to win had they done so, but in fact, probably neither team did enough to really necessarily go ahead and win uh, the game. And so, in, in that respect, it was it was probably a fair result. Uh, I, I, and I feel if you uh, are able to create the chances to score, then you should score. And I, I, one of my biggest frustrations of watching Dortmund play is, is, I I do somehow feel instinctively that they don't take enough of the chances that they present to themselves. And uh, and I think this kind of informs my thinking when I run watching them play. I kind of, I get worried that they, that they're just not going to put away, uh, their, their chances. I, I think that that's what's in fairness, been happening in recent weeks. Anyway. Yeah. I
1: think, I think that's because, uh, you know, it- crept into your subconscious over the club, you know, during the club years that Dortmund are not really an efficient side and they really weren't, but under Tuchel, I think in the last season and also at the beginning of this, I actually have not the have the current stats in front of me, but they are one of the more efficient sides in the league, so efficiency isn't actually the big problem, but I guess in this game it was more about even creating chances than finishing chances. Uh, I think I read it was a record for Dortmund uh, uh, and it a really yeah grim one at that that they didn't produce a single shot in the first half since 1992 so yeah that's that's just that's just terrible for a derby and all the anticipation to uh yeah see it you know peter out like that in the first half and uh yeah we have to give credit to schalke obviously vinceel came out of the back with a 532 system and uh i don't think i've ever seen schalke that well organized in a derby. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't really come out to defend and Tuchel said ahead of the match that, um, you know, it's the sort of game where neither side wants to commit the first mistake. And that's really how it looked. Schalke really managed to, uh, not let Dortmund in between their lines, if that makes any sense. And that was, uh, yeah, a fantastic performance. Um, I got a lot of stick from, uh, from, yeah, readers, because I rated Pulizic, I think a four out of 10, uh, but that was b- mostly because he sat in Kolasinac's pocket the entire first half. He didn't had, have a single good action against him in the first period. And yeah, later on he improved. But, uh, Terry, how did you see Mr. Pulizic? And, uh, would you, you know, be on my side or <laughs> just, uh, hop on me as well?
0: <laughs> I, I, I think it's a little bit, uh, harsh, if you don't mind my saying so, uh, because I think that Pulisic's, uh, uh performance was massively informed by Kalazinac, uh, looking after him. Um, I mean, Kalazinac is much further down the road in his career, and I think he's more experienced, and, and I just think, you know, just, it was one of those instances where Pulisic Learned a great deal about his job while not necessarily being able to affect a great deal because he he encountered a, a, a fullback that was able to to look after him in years to come. I, I, that, I imagine that that will change and, and he'll be and improve in in those kind of situations. So I think that because a lot of it of his performance was because of external influence, it's a little bit harsh, but it depends on your criteria if you're measuring on how effective he is he wasn't very effective and so there it's therefore it's a it's a fair score
1: yeah that's that's where I was kind of measuring him but I think I measure, you know he was by my ratings I don't I don't I don't 100% remember them <laughs> but I think I rated him the worst player on the field which was really really harsh but uh you know the problem I had is that I didn't have any sort of replay and I couldn't see that he actually flicked on the, the the header to Dembele which was the best chance in the game. So I think if I had spotted that which was really hard to spot from where I was sitting uh, I probably would have given him a better rating. Maybe a 5. But uh, you know enough from me. Let's hear from the man himself. Scholar's draw 2 points dropped or 1 point gained?
2: Uh... I think we always want to come out with three points, so we were disappointed today. But uh, it was obviously a very tough game. Yeah,
1: and, uh, you looked way more aggressive, the entire team, in the second half. What did the coach say during the
2: half-time? Uh, we just kept doing the same things, you know, but uh, just much sharper and faster. So, yeah, I think we had got a new kind of energy at halftime, and we really brought it in the second half. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get the goal. All
1: right. How happy are you with your own game today?
2: Uh, you know... Not the happiest. <laughs> of course, it's a team game, so I'm just disappointed we couldn't win the game, but, uh, yeah, I thought I had a much better second half, so I felt better, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see moving forward. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, there was Christian Pulisic from the mixed zone. He, yeah, not too happy with his own performance. Um, Terry, let's try to look at the positive angle for Borussia Dortmund here. I mean, they kept the first clean sheet since the match in Darmstadt, so that's something
0: yeah absolutely and uh, as we're going to find out that set them in 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 good stead for uh for the next game as well um i i, I do think that um in certainly in the first half when when they were under quite a bit of of pressure uh, and, and i do think that perhaps they were struggling a, a little bit they they managed to maintain their their discipline quite well and again this foreshadows future events as well um i think that sometimes when you're playing against an opposition that is uh in, in a derby game uh, a, a a match that your opposition are highly motivated to to win and i suspect probably uh sense blood uh for want of a better term in that they understand that the team that they're playing are 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 vulnerable are there for the taking that i actually i think dortmund um did a very good job in just you know uh keeping keeping that uh chalka uh, at bay just just enough really uh and then yeah i mean I, I mean i on reflection i'm inclined to agree with you that at that point they should have then gone on in the second half and then taken the three points which they which they failed to do but yeah it's it see it really could have been worse in my view.
1: Yeah, I think I've written a lot and I'm, I'm, I'm still positive after the 1-0 win against Sporting that, uh, Dortmund currently only have enough in their tanks for 45 minutes, you know, to, to really be on, on full song. And I think in a derby, we could see it after a drab first half, Dortmund could really shift into top gear in the second half. And that was way more encouraging. Um, I think. You know, this is actually one of the more positive takeaways that they kept it shut in the first half and, you know, didn't overpace or didn't run in the open knife because a site like Dortmund currently does not have the energy to battle back from behind. We saw that against Ingolstadt. I think Union Berlin also another example, although they didn't actually fall behind in that game. But, you know, it was really, really tough for them to, to, uh, yeah, turn things around once they conceded that equalizer once again. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't rule out also the emotional strain that it places on players as well. The, 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 the Ingolstadt game having to fight back in the way that they did. They're having to, to, to push themselves mentally for, you know, 1992 minutes. Similarly, extra time and penalties against Union Berlin. I will be honest. I, I, unfortunately, they didn't carry that game in England. I didn't see it. Uh, and then, then you got the derby and then you have got a, a, a crucial Champions League game to follow after that. And all of this is coming thick and fast every few games. And, uh, I, I mean, you can't, you, you, that's got to take its, its toll mentally and emotionally as well. So, you know, so far they seem to be bearing up under the strain. Although obviously I think we're perhaps accustomed to, to them being able to cope a little bit better, you know, in, in similar circumstances as maybe they might have done in, in the past, but it's by no means a disastrous set of results.
1: No, it, it could have been worse. It could have been better also. So a bit of a peanut sure. gallery joke in here, but um, yeah. What, mm-hmm. what's, what are your, what are your general thoughts about Borussia Dortmund season so far?
0: Well, a cracking September. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, they just seem to have um, inexplicably, I think just lost some, well, probably not inexplicably because they have had some rotation issues. Um, I mean, I, I suspect that the thing is, it, it's easy to say these things, but when you do lose key players in the summertime, uh, uh, you can't always necessarily um, expect the, the new players that come in to just slot in. We have seen that with them in the past. Um, Dembele uh, uh, came out of the traps really, really quickly and, and and is an awesome player. There's no getting around it. But you, you can't necessarily expect a, a player of his age and with his lack of experience in, in playing in Germany and against Bundesliga teams to, to be that full on for a, a large period of time. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's not exactly come off the rails, but by no means. And, and you also have to perhaps take into account the really good form of the teams above them as well. I don't think too many people saw Leipzig or Hertha necessarily. Um, doing as well, or even Cologne. I, I thought Cologne would have a or you know, a or Hoffenheim. <laughs> or Hoffenheim. I didn't. Ex- I you know, there's no reason to assume why these teams wouldn't have a good season. But wow, they really have had an amazing start to the season. And all of the teams were well, not all Bayern, not with notwithstanding Bayern. But if you look at Dortmund, and if you look at uh, Munchen, Gladbach, and Leverkusen, they've all had problematic first sort of like yeah, look at Schalke first rather of the season and look at Schalke of course yeah yeah certainly but of the Champions League qualifiers from last season only Bayern um are coping and in fact Bayern fans will tell you that actually they're not coping that well either so um there's a certain lack of intensity about their play so maybe um it's symptomatic of a broader uh, uh problem with, uh, with 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 Champions League uh, Bundesliga clubs
1: this yeah season. I think Uli Hoeneß said today that uh, you know Leipzig are all and well but they get to sit on a couch midweek <laughs> you know that's that's yeah. how how, how yeah. he talks but he has a point i guess no no
0: i he totally has a point i mean it it makes complete sense and and you know it there's teams uh, in any of the of the senior leagues um, where they don't have, uh, Champions League football or Europa League football, uh, in the midweek, um, that you know, they've just got more time to prepare. Leicester last season, Liverpool the season, not the season before last the season before that, you know, all made big tilts for the championship, uh, in England. And uh, and it's not just in Germany that you, that you have this, this, this phenomenon. So I think that you can, you can maybe put it down a, a, a little bit, to, a little bit to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also the, Team also has to find itself and has to gel, but that's hardly possible with a lot of rotation. Um, you know, I don't want to harp too much on Kagawa because I feel like this is a re- weekly routine. But again, in the Revere Derby, he was, he wasn't really impressing me either next to Polizic and, uh, you know, he wasn't really much of a help or. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just always see the, the guy who's a creative outlet who can score and assist, you know, has a strategic mind and is just so damn good at counter pressing. And right now we get so little of him. And for Dortmund right now, it's crucial that players that are a bit more experienced, that they carry the team and Kagawa currently is not. Uh, I don't know. What, what's your take on that? No, I agree. There's a lack of
0: freedom in his play and maybe the additional responsibility of being a senior pro now is taking its toll. Um, I, I, but I mean, I can, I can only agree with that. I don't really have a great deal more insight to add, uh, than that because, you know, I, I must confess, I, I, I have difficulty noticing him play. And I mean, like with yourself, you're a journalist and you're there to, study these players and to, and to form opinions and, and form judgments about them. If a player stops playing well and drifts off, then, you know, I'm like a lot of other fans. I, I sort of forget that they're there. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I, I, I can only think that, that, you know, he, he's a, he's a long way away from that effervescent player who was with us, you know, before he left to go to Manchester United. Uh, and certainly actually he's somewhere away from what he was like even last year when, when he was he was, he was decent for us then, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, it is a, a, a shame, but I, again, I stress it's probably just worth bearing in mind that these, these, you know, these could be just transient moments in the squad and he could be just part of a, a broader malaise of the, of the, of the squad at the moment. Yeah,
1: definitely. I was just going to segue into that because Kagawa stands for other players as well who, you know, Additionally to the to the crisis of injury, I think there's a big crisis of form for several players. I I would I would nominate Lukas Piszczek for that. Uh, I would I mm. would also look at Julian Weigl, who is still playing quite well, but not at the level he he used to at the start of the season. Probably just because of the mental and physical strain that you know he had to play almost every game because he's such an important player right now. And You know obviously Marcel Schmelzer has been missing and we cannot underestimate that factor right now because he is one of the most important players of the team and I think since last year he has played on his best ever and he has always played quite well and for me Schmelzer is the kind of player who you always notice when he's not there that he's not there if you know what I mean. No, I,
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, as obviously as a captain of the team, that a huge presence in the dressing room and, and able to shoulder the responsibility, uh, that perhaps in a way that Socrates, uh, can't do. Although I, I do love Socrates. He's, and I, I'm not just saying that because he plays for Dortmund, but I mean, you whatever club he, he, if he played for any senior club in Europe he'd be one of my favorite players is because of the way that he plays but you know the 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 dressing room dynamic alters when you have your senior pros missing and when your club captain captains him is I I appreciate that he'll be in the dressing room but you know you know what I mean in, in terms of the preparation and the build up and training and preparing for the match yeah and on, on know, the pitch Marcel message, message just talks so pitch. much
1: on a pitch, you know, yep. if, if, if Dortmund scores, he's the first one to point out what's wrong and, and what's right while everyone else is celebrating and that he has been doing yep. that, doing that forever, basically.
0: And he advocates to the referees as well. I mean, sometimes to the, to the annoyance of the referees, but I mean, these are important things when you're trying to influence the, the thinking of a referee to get them to make decisions in your favor. Then, you know, all of these little things, these little marginal gains that you get with a, with a top pro like Schmeller is, you know, are missing. Um, and yeah, just add, adds to just add it on to the pile of, of just these little problems I think that Dortmund are having that will only be resolved as those little problems become alleviated and, and, and are removed.
1: Yeah. How, how did you, uh, observe Felix Paslak on the left back position for the last couple of games?
0: I think he's a very, very tigerish player uh, and very enthusiastic, but uh, but I think he's prone to a bit of hot headedness and uh, and and can make mistakes. But you know, do you know what? And this is the thing, though, Stefan. I mean, he's entitled to do that. He should. He needs to be able to make those kind of mistakes, otherwise he won't learn from them. And the same extends to Weigl as well. Uh, if you placing too much responsibility on these guys? Um, uh, and, and you, you leave too much on them, uh, if they make mistakes and, uh, then, then the, the, the worry is, is that they don't, they don't, um, grow or they don't blossom. I don't, uh, for my money, there is, uh, a, a regular fullback, uh, in that position for Paslak, if, or, or possibly further up as a, as, as a, as a winger or a, or, or a flank player, um, whatever you, you want to call it, um, in the future. I certainly think that he's got the, the the potential to be to be a regular for Dortmund um but I mean these guys have got to be allowed to make the mistakes and I think that it's important that that we we just try and bear that in mind as long as uh, collectively we can just squeak through get ourselves back into the Champions League uh get into the second stage of the Champions League which we've done um and then you know just let these guys make their errors without giving them too much of a hard time for it
1: yeah if I uh, put my two cents on, on that, on, on Paslak. I think he has been quite doing, he's doing a well job, but I think he has struggled to mirror, uh, his, his, uh, movements on the right side to the left side, which is why I think he looked, he, he struggled a little bit more on, on the left side than on the right side, which obviously makes sense and is not easy for, for any player, let alone, you know, his age. Um, so, yeah. I agree with you that he will, in the future, probably play on the right back position as a starter. Right now, because I don't, I don't think Piszczek is giving too much to the team right now. I don't know what's your take on that. Uh, no, uh,
0: I, I would, I'd agree with that. Again, you're you, you senior pro, but one assumes with, I mean, he's been in that position for long enough, and one assumes that it's only a matter of time before he he is relegated uh, to the bench and then out of the team, as as is the way with all. All pro, all professional footballers. So, yeah, I, I what, what is, uh, it, it, it vital is, is that Paslak like, is ready to, to move in there on a regular basis and become that, that permanent fixture in the longer term. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that, that's the sort of thinking behind my early remarks.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you, you already harped on, uh, Mr. Papastadopoulos. And I think Socrates had a brilliant game in the derby, uh, you know, just just wanted to mention yep. mention that before before we might move on. Unless you have anything else to say on the derby. Uh,
0: no, I don't have anything more to say on the derby. Uh, I am pleased that it's over. Uh, I don't I don't enjoy derby games terribly with any of the clubs that I follow, uh, and uh, and the Revere derby is 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 is, is similar. I, 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 i always too worried about losing. <laughs> so, yeah, well. <laughs> I'm, pleased, I'm pleased it's over and that we can, uh, we can move on.
1: Yeah, at least didn't, didn't lost, uh, Dortmund sits sixth in the table after the game. Uh, there are three points of Cologne who are in fourth in the Champions League, Champions League spot. It's, uh, four points of Hoffenheim who are in third. And that's for Dortmund the promised land this season. And I think, you know, over the course of a whole season, they should be fine and, and reach those regions anyway, uh, with yeah. beating Schalke or not. Um, so yeah, moving on to the Champions League. Oh, no, be- before we move to the Champions League, let me remind everyone that, uh, there is another Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world edition. And it's with Benjamin McFedgen and Marshall Gananzara this time, as uh, I interviewed them about the Borussia Dortmund cap from London that traveled all the way. Yes, from London to Dortmund. So, yeah, please check that out. All right, moving on to the Champions League. It was Borussia Dortmund 1, Sporting 0. Um Probably not the most electrifying match in the world, but it sends Dortmund through to the knockout stages and puts them in hibernation in the Champions League, which was the formulated aim of Borussia Dortmund ahead of the season. So it's the first objective this year checked off. And as Real Madrid drew 3-3 against Liga Warsaw, Uh Dortmund are two points clear at the top of Group F right now. I don't know about you, Terry, but I feel terrible for all the Warsaw fans that didn't screw around and actually deserve to go to that game that they actually didn't experience it live
0: yeah so do i it is a it's it's the great tragedy of of having to bear the responsibility of uh, of your uh, other fans of other people's (laughs) behavior and it is always uh, the thing to bear in mind that you know fans are also individuals that that you know they do tend to behave when together as a collective, but they are individuals and they're not necessarily responsible for the actions of the people uh uh near them or part of them and I think that it is a great shame because that was a famous result and forever marred by the fact that uh, no bugger saw it
1: yeah definitely but uh if you want if you actually want to know more about the game, check out my colleague' uh Stefan Ursfeld's feed because he actually went to the match he was one of the few people in the ground uh probably as a journalist and not as a fan Um but yeah we yeah. are here to talk about Borussia Dortmund's gaming and sporting Um now Terry do you want to talk about the match first about the whole uh, internal reasoning of Mr. Aubameyang oh,
0: oh gosh okay uh, let's talk about the game yeah we can talk about uh, um, Mr. Aubameyang uh, uh, after that if you want to I thought the game was tense as you can expect uh, again um, Dortmund. Very much, uh, living on the edge at the moment in terms of form. Uh, but I also took great encouragement from the discipline that they played. Uh, it, it was quite clear once they'd taken that, that, um, early lead that, that they were, they were going to be fairly conciliatory, uh, to begin with, uh, and then positively conservative towards the end of the game, particularly as sporting started to assert themselves um and 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 show that actually they were perfectly capable of getting into this game so in that respect i i thought it was a a a, a stellar performance uh as a collective for the whole unit to to keep themselves and keep their shape uh, and keep this out after that uh, cracking goal from from ramos who obviously took over um the reins as the front man um, with, uh, you know, with very, very little notice. But, uh, I mean, he handled the whole thing like a real pro and I thought that he led the line, uh, brilliantly in that game. I, I was, uh, I was really pleased with that result. That was a, that was a really decent, nice, hard fought 1-0 win. You love it when they happen. They're tense though and unpleasant.
1: Yeah, I'm, I was, I was grateful for nothing to happen by the end of the game so I could send in my match report right at full time. <laughs> Um, but, yes, I'm sure uh, but I, but I, I have to agree with you about Arian Ramos. I, I don't know if he was in the picture all the time, but I thought he was just brilliant. Not only the header, because that was really well taken and really smartly taken, but, you know, the way his, his back to goal defending, uh, and, or, or rather the, the way he just caresses the ball, uh, when, when he has to reach it from the air. Uh, that's that's quite something and uh gave Dortmund a lot of time actually to uh move up the the, the bodies and 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 yeah gain field position and I think that's something Aubameyang Young doesn't do quite as well and the problem is that Aubameyang in the past games often had to act as a target man because he was more or less cut off from supply off the ground if if you want to say it like that and uh yeah Ramos uh, did well. I mean, we all know if it's about dribbling in tight space, you know, and stuff like that, he isn't the best striker ever to, uh, yeah, beat a, beat a guy on a one-on-one and then, uh, you know, flick it into the, into the net. But, you know, he's a good finisher and he, he knows how to use his body against defenders. So that was a very positive takeaway. And I think, you know, as, Poorly as I read it, Mr. Polizic in the, in the first game. We can now look at the first half of his and, and really applaud, right? Definitely. Yeah. A real, a,
0: a real, a real pest
1: and a real, uh, bother to, uh,
0: the, the sporting defense. And, uh, I, I, he got quieter in the second half, but everybody was really, uh, putting in that shift to just, to uh, keep keep the opposition at bay uh so you didn't get much uh, attacking flair from from anybody in that respect but uh yeah i mean he's he's it uh, he was uh, superb in that uh, in that first half and uh have certainly made up for any shortcomings that he showed against sharkka
1: yeah also t- talks a great deal about consistency and inconsistency and maybe the the quality of the fullback uh, I think Marvin Ziegler is it uh, he didn't really perform well or had any idea what to do against Polizic and also uh, you know Mr Castro was back there to support Polizic a little bit and Matthias Ginter obviously I think that made a lot of difference on on the right side because it was also Ginter who you know fired in the cross for Ramos to to finish and overall I thought there was a lot more going for Dortmund on the right side than in, in previous games.
0: What did you think about the other side, uh, Guerrero and Dembele? How, how did you feel that those two uh, matched up? Uh, I, I wasn't so sure myself, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh,
1: I think Dembele had his first uh, good action right before the whistle, where he set up Guerrero, and I think he hit the side net- netting. Before that, Dembele mm. always run into any any uh, defender or just you know picked the wrong pass or anything. So that. That is, that is just, yeah, sad, but you know, it, it just shows you again how, how consistency works on, on the right side. Pulisic is having the, the, the time of his life. And then on the left side, the just doesn't get anything done. So yeah, that was sad. But in general, I was, I was pleased to, uh, to, uh, see Guerrero back on the field because I think he is one of the biggest key players for Dortmund right now. And if he plays, Everything improves instantly. And I think Tuchel also was very, very happy to, to see him return because he al- always talks a great deal about him. Um, Terry, you're not here often. Um, so I have to ask you, how big of a fan have you, have you been of Mario Götze so far? And how did you actually receive the transfer?
0: Um, I'm glad you asked. Um, I, I wasn't uh, in any way resentful or unhappy that he was coming back. Um, for sort of if you like spiritual or or, or reasons uh, if that's the word i'm looking <laughs> yeah, for yeah uh,
1: basically you know, religion i I, yeah,
0: I wasn't i mean I, I i i don't think that he did the right thing by going to Bayern munich but that is water under the bridge and uh for him if you know to come back uh, i i i would i, I there's no matter of there's no issue with principle of him, of him coming back. The only, uh, I guess the only issue has been whether it was, was what kind of shape is he going to be in? What kind of state of mind is he going to be in? How much of an appetite is he going to have to, uh, to, um, to play in that Dortmund side and how much, and what is the extent of his ambition? And I think that these are questions about Mario Goetze that he's probably had to field a, a great deal since he scored that goal in the World Cup final. Um, he has not gone on to be, I think, the player that people Imagined, including myself, that he would be, that he would be a, a, frankly, a, a, a short, a, a permanent shortlist on the Ballon d'Or. Um, he hasn't achieved that. Uh, and I'm not certain that he's likely to now, even, he's, he's not old by any means, but he really is approaching the meat of his career. And I think he's perhaps struggling to find a role in the team. Um, and possibly in the dressing room, although you might know a little bit more about that than me. Um, so I, I, I'm, I am, of course, pleased that he is back and I harbor no ill will whatsoever that he's back. It doesn't upset me that he's back. Uh, I welcome him back, but I, I wouldn't, I don't think that this is an uncontroversial thing to say. I, I'd like to see a little bit more from him.
1: Yeah. I think you actually saw a little bit more from him. You know, there, there was one or two moves in the derby that were quite impressive. And against sporting as well, that one combination play with Pulisic in the, in the box and really tight space where, The ball smacked against the bar. I think that that was what fans want to see from Götze, and that was more or less the old old Götze.
0: That's more like it, yeah. And when he when he when he missed that chance against West Miss, missed, but when he yeah he failed to score that 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 really great combo in the derby, I did leap out of my seat, and that would have been awesome. Uh, And it will be good to see him put that together. Um, like it's it's uh, it's trite to say it, but. Players do need time, particularly if they're not entirely, you know, uh in great form and they're not necessarily, you know, a, a, a had a great pre-season. It can take time for players to, to really settle in. And in that respect, it is worth bearing in mind that it really is. It's only early November, you know. It, this this, 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 we could see more of, of Maraguerza. And, and I choose to be optimistic about his, about his prospects at Dortmund. I, 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 I am optimistic that we'll see, we'll see some lovely football from him, uh, soon.
1: Yeah. I actually, uh, talked to him in the mix zone last night. Sadly not in English. So I can't play it on the show. But what he did say is that, um, he, uh, feels that he's getting better with every game and, uh, that, uh, he, he feels that, that things are improving, uh, up front, that, that he's creating more and more chances that the com- combination play up front is, is working better and better. And he just said that he himself needs to get more into this danger areas in those situations. And, uh, yeah, that's is probably referring to the combinations we just spoke of. Uh, that, that sure, he, he yeah. just has a feeling that this is you now slowly starting for him and that he feels the, the groove and then getting it back. And yeah, I totally agree with you. This is, this is a tedious and slow process. You know, in, in football, we always expect things to happen instantly, but usually they don't. Sometimes things take half a season, sometimes a whole year you never really know sometimes injury come in 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 the way so there's just so many factors that can happen but i th- think that götze is is on a, on a good way and um as i agree with everyone who is seeing him critical in the recent weeks that he hasn't done enough going by the amount of talent he has i, I think i think he is uh, growing into that right now but obviously uh, he has to keep improving still
0: yeah well said agree completely
1: yeah I think uh, there's not much else to say about the sporting match uh, maybe maybe just a, a couple of words on on the first half still um there were just two opportunities or three for Dortmund they took one chance and that that was enough and then on the second half obviously Dortmund uh changed around quite a bit I think Tuchel changed system Thrice or, or four times even Guerrero at, at first is assumed a little bo- bit more of a, a central position and in possession and was a wing back. And then later on, uh, was a, was a full back again on, on the left side with Schoele coming on, Pichek coming on. Um, and Sebastian Rode obviously came on as well. Um, Terry, we at the yellow wall pod have been critical in recent shows of Rode and haven't really seen much. Positive or, yeah, put him in a very positive light. Is, is there anything you can, uh, you know, do to give the audience a, a different view? Um,
0: I can't say that I have been, um, terribly moved by, uh, Sebastian Roda. Unfortunately, I don't think I have much more to add to, to, to than, than, than that. Um, uh, I, again, I, I, it's, it is difficult because he doesn't get, the, 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 maybe the starts that he will probably need. And the only defense I can offer is, is that is with, with more game time, he will improve. But, you know, in your, if you're playing for Dortmund, you're playing for one of the best teams in Europe. You're playing for a Champions League team and you are playing for, in theory, a team that challenges for the Bundesliga title. You don't get much chances and you need to take the chances when they do come. Uh, and I'm not certain that Warder has really uh I've been able to do that as of yet but I'm certain that he'll get more opportunities as the season goes on I don't doubt
1: it yeah we'll see about that going forward Uh one quick word maybe also on Matthias Ginter uh, who I think has improved tremendously Thomas Tuchel said that his breakthrough came in the match against Real Madrid and I think he just said it after the game but uh you know a couple of weeks later I think it still holds true what what's your view on him
0: if you need an example of what we were talking about with other players who are not quite fitting in or they're not quite improving as quickly as, as you'd want to, then Matthias Ginter is a fantastic example of what happens if you just keep sticking at it, uh, and just keep playing and taking advantage of the opportunities that come your way and within reason, you know, uh, being, playing where you're put and, 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 and getting on with it. And, and Ginter is, is turning into a, uh, uh, what we would describe in England as a, as a, a, a quality utility player, uh, along that back line and, uh, a, a valuable part of the team.
1: Yeah. That, that is great. And, uh, I just got word that we will have a rant on this show from Matthias Zuki. He can't be on here live, but he'll send it on later. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably flock it to oh, the no. end, but those Matthias rants are always kind of nice and spicy. So that's, that's something extra, yeah, extra to look forward to.
0: What's his beef? What's,
1: any, I've, any, any idea? What yeah. About? He, he, he said that his beef is about the so-called Dortmund crisis that, um, media tries to, uh, you know, make it, make <laughs> it look like that. that's, uh, what, what he just texted me. Uh, yeah. This is, this is a very live radio here right now, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's just how, how it works. So yeah, Dortmund can be very uh, happy yeah. with themselves, I guess, after, after this one-nil win. And I really do hope for them that this, um, the, the, the knowledge of, you know, just the fact that they are topping this group and they're all already qualified that this re, gives them not only a relief, but also a boost for the Bundesliga, some sort of boost in confidence. And they can actually build on the two clean sheets they just had. Um, we will talk about Hamburg in a second, but first of all, Terry, we have to talk about Mister Obama Young, and I will ask you first off. uh, In his in his dress, he came with a fancy hat and all. Was was he uh, Inspector Gadget or was he uh, Al Capone? (laughs)
0: Um, Actually, I was immediately none of your listeners are old enough to remember this, uh, but there is a a, 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 an eighties artist, a musician called Kid Creole. Uh, and the coconuts, and he reminded me an awful lot of him. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I think that the consensus on Twitter was that he was Inspector Gadget.
1: Yeah, I, I was more in the Al Capone camp, to be honest, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, (laughs) either, either way, he wasn't, he wasn't there playing. Um, it was, it was a funny story how the, uh, how the club communicated that because they just said internal reasons and everyone literally the, the, Everyone in the, in the media area was up and about to, to find out what was actually going on. You could see people from build running around with their phones. People were checking Instagram accounts, you know, just how in investigating uh, journalism works in 2016. You go on social media and, and, and look to <laughs> find anything there. And, uh, obviously we, we, we saw the picture of Obam having, uh, food in the Italian restaurant, which is actually quote, quite close by and which is where the players regularly end up and i actually went there too not too too long ago with my girlfriend and i can co- confirm the food is really really nice not so really really expensive so that's probably why they go there so the commoners are not <laughs> there but uh yeah i digress um in the end I, I mean, by now we all know the reason he went to Milano to celebrate the birthday of a friend, and uh, he didn't really make it back in time. And the club had the agreement that nobody makes a trip to anywhere, uh, considering the the sporting situation. So, Terry, what's your take on this um, whole scenario? And uh, how do you feel the club com- communicated that? Uh, do you do you think they they did well in in communicating it? Do you? Do you think they could have been more open about it?
0: Um, I think that it might have actually been a little bit better if they had just said, this guy's not playing. We've dropped him because uh, he's, uh, you know, yeah, he he's, he's gone off to Italy uh, without um, our permission. And I guess you could probably make a football case by saying, look, you know, he's not been able to be sufficiently prepared. And so we've, we've done this. What, what uh, I, I think, it's the area of concern is the fact that it seems to have been a fairly last minute decision to leave him out. So um I again, I, I don't know whether or not it was a last minute decision. No, it was or not. Or not Tuchel, Tuchel,
1: was t- Tuchel actually said that it was a decision made on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and so he was surprised that the okay. kit manager actually put his kit in the locker room, which, which actually caused more surprise than than that it should.
0: Right, and and the first we heard about it presumably was when the team was announced. Was the team announced? Forgive me, but I I don't know for the full chronology. Did, was the team announced with Obama Young and then without? No, it, it, or was it announced it, without? It was
1: him? it was announced without them from the uh, from right. the outset. So all that's happened here, right? So all that's
0: happened here is a player's been dropped, albeit an important player and albeit a very high-profile player who is constantly under media speculation about whether where he's going to move to next. But ultimately what's happened here is a player's been dropped because he didn't turn up for training in time, I guess, is probably what we're really talking about. That actually happens quite a lot. It isn't very professional, but really, if you look at it like that, I'm not quite sure what more the club could do. The only thing they could have done would be to say, you know, like maybe maybe at the time that when it was decided to leave him out would be to inform the press. But why would you give away team news ahead of a big game like that? So, I mean, you just wouldn't do it, would you? So, I mean, what else was he going to do? just lame the team and i mean i guess they probably if if they could have asked him well why is he not playing then you know but really i mean you know the coach is perfectly entitled to say look he's not playing it's none of your business and i'll tell you about it after the game but this is the situation so just you know shut up or you know go back onto instagram and see if you can find out for yourself but yeah i mean it got resolved fairly quickly didn't it so and and it does appear to be a, a lot about not much
1: yeah, uh, do you think there will be any long-term consequences? Is, is there a big, uh, you know, tear in the relationship between Tuchel and, and Aubermeier now or the rest of the team?
0: Well, I, I don't know, but I think that when a transgression like that has happened, I think it is important that it's properly managed and that everybody, uh, involved understands, you know, why, uh, this, why one, we have that rule in the first place. Why it's important to obey it, and why it's important to, to to see through the consequences if you if you don't obey the rules uh, or the restrictions. And I mean, this is this is the same in in any uh, professional walk of life. It's the same in any office or workplace environment. Uh, so you do need, and and how well, whether or not there's any rifts or any uh, residual bad feeling as a consequence, depends entirely upon how well it's managed uh, at the time by the people in charge. Uh, if Tuckle is doing his job properly, um, then there should be no hard feelings whatsoever there. Everyone should just be able to put it behind them and then get on with the, get on with the, the next game against Hertha. At least Aubameyang is... Hamburg, west. but yeah. <laughs> Hamburg, Hamburg, I beg your pardon. Yeah,
1: Hamburg, Hertha, not quite the same. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, no, I'm, I'm pleased we're not playing them again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know if you're too pleased with Aubameyang, uh, but, you know, I think, I think there there won't be too much of a rift, to be honest with you. I don't I don't think it will be the big story in the end that uh, you know it, it looked to be. Uh, I mean, they were all smiles again on on the next day on a training pitch, and you know it was a it was an important signal, uh, you know, from Tuchel to send within the club and and you know to everyone else that you that you uh, even if you are Aubameyang and one of the Best players on a team, you can't just uh, do whatever you want. I think that's important to, uh.
0: That's massively important to, uh, to, to show. Yeah. Uh, and, to, and to, to demonstrate to your other pros, the junior pros, that there's no favoritism as well. Um, and that if it can happen to the, the one of the big guys, it can happen to, to them as well. And that they should, they should obey the restrictions. Um, you could make an argument that it speaks to perhaps a lack of professionalism on Obama Young's part. You know, it's a big, important Champions League game coming up, and he's gone off uh to to Italy. Uh, and that maybe a different player might have taken a different attitude, and that there might be some people who feel that it's the correct that 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 his is that that it's a more of a, a lack of professionalism on his part. I don't know. I'd rather withdrew, with 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 hold judgment on that, but I do think it's worth just highlighting that that is. Yeah, maybe that's something that people were concerned about that. That could be a legitimate concern. Well,
1: obviously it's a lack of professionalism. Otherwise you wouldn't have been dropped. Uh, so, so, so I, I guess, I guess that, that has some, some sort of, uh, help me out here. Some, some sort of.
0: I'm thinking more longer term. I'm thinking about in the future. I'm thinking if you're, if you're a coach of a team and you hear that a guy, a very, very talented, very successful guy, uh a great a really really good player uh is, is demonstrates that kind of lack of professionalism at such an important stage uh during a, a sort of match day cycle then you might wonder whether or not he's got the professionalism to g to really succeed at the very very top but i would like to i would withhold judgment about that because you know he's a young man and young men make mistakes
1: yeah don't we all know that uh don't we, don't we yeah. all,
0: yeah. Well, uh, we, we don't. No, obviously. Well, you don't. Obviously. You don't. Obviously Stefan, not. But, but, but you are an exception. But, uh, <laughs> but, but or, or normal young men, not super normal guys like you, you know, they do, they do make mistakes.
1: Yeah, well, I'll uh, hand you the check later, obviously. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I also do have committed my fair share of mistakes in life. Uh, yeah. The, haven't, haven't we? Yeah, haven't but, we? uh, yeah, I, the thing about all Young is that, you know, it's not unusual for him to go off, uh, to little trips. You know, he sometimes just needs to have his hair cut in Paris. And that's just the, uh, <laughs> the, the sort of guy he is. And usually that hasn't affected his, uh, his performance skill. And I don't think it, it would have been too much of a problem on, on, uh, Wednesday night. But the thing is, if you have this agreement in a club that, uh, there are, you know, trips to anywhere are completely forbidden. Then you just can't make an exception for him. So that's unprofessional on his part for not uh, obeying the rules, simply put. Yes. I think, I think that's, that's pretty much all there is to say. And now we have to move on to, to the game against Hamburg. Um, there's, there's been a bit of a hex on Dortmund. They actually haven't won a game in Hamburg since 2012. Was a 5-1 victory, but yeah, four years ago. Terry Dortmund managed to beat Hamburg in the last home match. It was a comfortable 3-0 win, but obviously we cannot uh, expect the same and the parallels to the match against Ingolstadt are actually quite uh, magnificent given that Dortmund will once again go up against the last team in the league and they will also go up against, uh, you know, after, after uh, they, they will play after a game against Sporting and you know, that was a very positive result yet again against Sporting, and we never really know, uh, how, how they will, uh, yeah, respond to that in the next game. Obviously, Dortmund now under pressure in the league, but they were also so against Ingolstadt. Um, so will Dortmund beat the Hamburg Hex? Well, um, I, I,
0: I can't help but, um, think that this, uh, I think actually the only way that they can't beat the Hamburg Hex is, is if it, if they fail to score. I am having a lot of difficulty imagining, uh, Hamburg scoring. I'm sure actually a lot of Haasfell fans are having a lot of difficulty, uh, with ha- imagining Hamburg, uh, uh, scoring, uh, particularly with Bobby Wood, who I think he's the only guy who's actually scored for them is, uh, uh, not playing in the game because of his suspension. Um, so I, 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 I can't see Hamburg really getting a goal. Um, that being said, you know they've got to break their duck at some point, and presumably that, that influence of Gisdor, their new coach, has got to start setting in at some point. So maybe this will be a, a a spurt for them. They know they've got a decent-ish record, and they know that they've upset them in the past. Yeah, so, he already you know, said it today
1: on. in the press conference. This Gisdor said uh, that they can take courage from the fact that they have a good streak going against Dortmund, and see,
0: but see. Th- th- Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, there isn't it because I mean, a lot, in a lot of ways, that's rubbish because it's still ultimately 11 players against 11 in a completely different situation. I mean, why would previous results necessarily have a bearing? Although, you know, they clearly have. It's a funny old game, Terry. It it, it is a funny old game. It's, it's, it's very true. Um, but I don't know whether it's that funny though. Um, because I mean, Hamburg have been dirge. They have been awful. And Dortmund have not been uh, brilliant, but they've not been awful by any stretch. And I would be quite disappointed if they weren't able to get uh, something uh, against Hamburg. Uh, It all depends on whether Hamburg can get a goal. If they can breach that defence, then that will change the character of the game and yes, maybe then they might, they might be able to go on and, 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 cause an upset. But I don't think there's anyone who would doubt that it would be a, it would be a significant upset if uh, Hamburg were to get, I would say even as much as a point, but certainly three points against Dortmund, uh, even at home.
1: So Terry, here's the thing that actually, you know, should let Dortmund fans look very positively on that game. And that is is René Adler is, I think, I don't know if he's out or, or doubtful. But he is, uh, probably not going to play and neither is, um, uh, Matenia and their third goalkeeper, Andreas Hirzel, who's also out. So, um, and, and Tom Mickel, I think he's, he's also injured. I'm, I'm not too sure, but, uh, it, it seems like Hamburg won't have a goalkeeper <laughs> for this match. They, they okay. will be relegated to the, to the fourth <laughs> or fifth choice in, in this game. Right. And, uh, you know, as,
0: At least so they'll have a guy standing between the sticks, but not necessarily a guy. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe from the under 19 team, but uh, forgive me for not knowing his name right now. Um, that's, yeah.
0: um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they should give it to Halalovic. I mean, he hasn't really done much else there. Maybe give him a try between the posts. And uh, Ah, I'm joking, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that is, that is going to be a big, uh, a big help for, uh, for, for Dortmund. If indeed that they are, they've got a, a serious makeshift goalkeeper in there.
1: Yeah. The, the thing is, you know, with all the many upsets against Hamburg, obviously Dortmund had their fair share in that by just playing terrible football. But also a lot of that had to do with René Adler or Dropney having just the best games of their careers, basically. And and had just so many, so many crucial saves. And you never know, uh, how that will turn out for, for under 19 keeper. Obviously, it's not confirmed yet that Adler is out, but I thought, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning. But then again, you know, I do see Hamburg actually getting a result. Under the circumstance, and I, I saw the, the, the game against Cologne is that they are actually really, really feisty and it's not too easy to score against them. And Dortmund in recent games had really, you know, they really struggled against teams that rough them up and Hamburg will do exactly that. I'm not going to say it's, it's going to be a pretty game, but I, I, I think Dortmund will once again, uh, lose on the, on the, on the match of intensity. So I think, I think this will play a major role and, and everyone is looking at Hamburg and seeing how terrible they are. But the problem is they are not, not the worst team ever. I think that there have been periods where they have been actually bad and they just uh, lost against Cologne, but Cologne are actually side on form. So, you know, you can forgive them. So if, if Dortmund give them any sort of, if they throw them in the bone and give them any sort of confidence in a match where they can feed off, you know, this, this will go a whole nother way and people should not forget that Dortmund were on the verge of getting a scoreless, uh, result against Bayern. Uh, and I think until Kemi scored, they were on, on their way of, uh, holding Bayern to a draw and, uh, you know, similar things can happen against Dortmund because Ingolstadt also were very close of, uh, getting a result at the Allianz Arena. So there are parallels and, uh, you know, if, if you, if you want to be a superstitious man, it's Uwe Zela's 80th birthday.
0: Ah, uh, okay. All right. So, so you're, you're, I mean, you are moving into areas of portent now and, 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 uh, uh, omens. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm not certain whether or not, uh, that, that, that's, uh, well, fair enough. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm trying to I mentally wonder... prepare my audience for that result in humble Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think that there's a case for, uh, playing Ramos again, uh, uh, up front instead of Aubameyang? Not, not because Aubameyang is still on the, uh, naughty step, but, uh, looking at the way that, um, Cologne was set up, uh, against Hamburg and the way that Modest eventually beat them down because, uh, Hamburg, as the game went on, Hamburg, I agree with you, were very disciplined in the first half, but they badly need the points and they need to get goals, and the longer it was nil-nil, the, the more anxious I think they were, and then inevitably Modeste was able to find some space, and the, and Colum were able to, 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 to win the game quite convincingly in the end. Do you, they're not the same player at all, but what, what um, Modeste and Ramos have in common is that they are both good, solid, traditional number nines in many ways. Do you think that maybe there's some value in 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 leaving Aubameyang on the bench and maybe playing him as an impact player and seeing if Ramos can rough them up a little bit?
1: Yeah, the problem is that Aubameyang never really works out as an impact player, so I have my reserves mm-hmm. there, and and uh, I think uh, the the biggest problem of that Hamburg backline in, in recent games really has been that they are not up to speed at all. I think, uh, they have played with Giroud and, and Jung, and they're both players, uh, who would manage well against, uh, Ramos in the air, especially Giroud. But, uh, you know, against Pacey players, they, they really had their fair share of problems. I think, uh, mm. um, Emir Spahic and, uh, I think Ekdal also are doubtful for the match. They will just enter team training, uh, you know, on, on Friday, if even. So, uh, you know, that will be another injury blow for them. So I, I, mm. I would, I would personally go with Obama Young, but he also had very poor games yeah. against Hamburg in the past.
0: Yeah. And, uh, um, Hamburg, you would imagine will be, will be very, very deep. Um, and it, it's, it's might be difficult, uh, for, uh, pacey players to really work up ahead of steam, uh, if they're playing, uh, so deep. So, uh, yeah, I, but I mean, I think that it would be very unlikely. I mean, I'm really suggesting Ramos really as a as a as a point of conversation, really a talking point, more than any belief that that's actually what's going to happen. I would be pretty surprised if he was uh, picked ahead of Obama Yang, but uh, it's just an interesting approach uh, to take. So no, I'm
1: I'm I'm Obama-Yang totally with you, and yet. I I get where you're coming from. But uh, you know, to to be fully fully frank with you, I just want to see Obama Young unleashed. After sitting on the stands for 90 minutes and being rested and, uh, I mean, today he, uh, he, he put in extra hours after the training, trained free kicks, you know, had some shooting practice, even practice penalties because they weren't going too well in, in, in recent games for him. So, you know, you could just see the extra motivation there. He, he did that together with Marco Royce, by the way, and Emre Moore. So it was not just him, but you know, it just tells you that, that he has all the de- de- determination to, uh, you know, find back to his feet. And I think if, if that's there, you should capitalize on that. If you're Thomas Tuchel, but maybe, maybe, maybe that's just, uh, me being too, e- too excited about a player that, that's that good and, and really wants to impress everyone again.
0: Yeah, and uh, they're never around for long enough, are they? So you want to get them in, uh, or get, get get in as much game time and see him see him play as much as you possibly can. And he is a he is a glorious player to watch in full flow. It's got to be said.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, nevertheless, who else do you think should should Dortmund play in midfield? I think that's even more important than in the end, who's who's basically leading the line, but who is actually feeding the passes to the man up top.
0: Well, um, I would, I certainly would persist with, uh, with Goetze. Um, and I'm more persuaded about that now, uh, after what you've said, um, in, uh, about his, his attitude and, and, and the, the improvements that he's, that he's made. And I think that uh, he's got the ability, particularly against a, a poor team like Hamburg to really move on. Um, I think, uh, that if you had Castro in there with Weigel as well, then I think that, uh, that, That'll give it that uh, extra bit of tidiness between the two of them to, uh, to, to make it work. So, uh, I'd be thinking along those lines if I was, if I was Thomas Tuchel, Sadly, I'm not.
1: Yeah, I, I probably agree with you. Now, um, Mark Bartra or Matthias Ginter next to Socrates at center back. It's going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah, that is a difficult one, uh, to, to go with. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm actually minded to, to go with, uh, with, um, Ginter, uh, because I think of the, uh, uh, who's, um, who are the likely fullbacks going to be? Do you think, uh, Stefan, who's, who's fit?
1: Uh, Schmelzer is not. Obviously, Park is fit, but nobody will regard him. So I no. reckon it's either Guerrero on, on the left or, or Paslak maybe again. So Guerrero can play further ahead. Um, yeah. And then on, on the right, you could actually play Ginter. Just, uh, as it worked out yeah. uh, against sporting and, and, uh, drop Piscek. So perhaps, yeah,
0: perhaps, perhaps that might be, might be the option. I, I suppose it'll have to make an assessment of how sharp he thinks Piscek is and maybe he'd go with, with Piscek. But if not, then Bartra and Ginter and Ginter in the full-back position with Bartra in there. And Bart- Bartra's coming along okay. I don't know if you've got an opinion about him, but I mean, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's one of the toughest, uh, areas that you can, you can move into, so it's not been easy for him, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say that, uh, I'd be pretty happy with, with Ginter anywhere along that back line. The
1: problem is at some point you just have to make a decision being Thomas Tuchel because you just need a defensive back line that gels. And if you keep changing yeah. it around, it, it's the effect, you know, to the effect that it just won't gel, uh, you know, and that, that yeah. that's going to be a problem. Obviously there has to be some sort of rotation of the course of a season, but, uh, you know, at some, you know, after, after shipping so many goals as Dortmund have in recent past, it's best to not tinker with it too much. So yeah, I'd, I'd stay with, with Ginter in, in central defense, to be honest. I think Mark Bartra, mm-hmm. actually you right. look quite well against sporting, but also he had a couple of, uh, uh, issues there, just some sort of, lapses but obviously he will only beat those if he plays so yeah another dilemma for mr tuchel and luckily not for us
0: (laughs) Yep, always a dilemma whenever you're bringing new players in with the regularity that dortmund have to do and uh, it's just something that you've got to cope with isn't it i suppose
1: yeah but i mean they're a team with the ambition to do just that so you know let them figure it out um terry I would say we can knock it on the head here, unless you wanted to say anything, uh, special about Hamburg now and their, uh, great form and depth and, uh, no, I just think
0: it's hilarious that, uh, that they are where they are. And, um, yeah, that's really all I have to, well, it's a bit unkind. I know, but you know, I, I've, I've. I think that hamburg's um longer term problems might be resolved by a, a, a spell down in the second division i think that they've been stinking out the bottom end of that of of the Bundesliga for long enough that uh you know maybe it's time for them to uh to go down i I like appearing on parties and podcasts because i can be a a less conciliatory in my tone than i can be in in other areas but um
1: you know. Well, you know, I actually do think it would be sad for Hamburg to go down because I'm a big fan of that tradition that they have been the only team that's never been relegated and would be sad that, you know, that would change. And I don't think, you know, too many structures would change in the club with a relegation. I don't, I don't think, uh, that, that will change. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Something has to, to break up there. One way or the other, because the way the club is run right now is uh completely inefficient and terrible. And uh, they should be maybe maybe the second best team in the league, going by by the potential of the club of, of global reach, considering they're in freaking Hamburg, which is one of the best cities in Germany. And uh, you know they have the infrastructure, they have the they have the stadium and everything to to be a glamorous club. I mean, there are so many rich companies around that could invest into this club that isn't just mr kunis so um yeah so so many things to say about hamburg that are not going right at this club but i think we need a whole another show for that so um
0: yeah and i'm I, I my opinion is obviously massively informed by my good friend nick who's uh, uh also appeared on this yeah. podcast a few times as well hasn't he and of course he's a verda a fan as well so perhaps uh, he's a uh, Poisoned my, my view of Haas Fell.
1: No, I think, I think Schadenfreude I, is an important thing in football. I think you always should, uh, you know, should, should, uh, live that because, you know, it's fun and it's just sports. So who cares?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No one, no one is getting hurt by any of this. No,
1: maybe, maybe a bit annoyed, but, uh, before we annoy the listeners yeah. too much, uh, I will hop, uh, and squeeze a nice little prediction out of you now
0: um oh uh, well i mean i'm, I'm going away wins you. you want to score a line
1: well obviously you
0: yeah, will obviously okay uh okay uh, well it's going to be 2-0 to uh borussia Dortmund.
1: all right that would be the third consecutive clean sheet i'm uh actually just as confident as you and i'm also going with the 2-0 yeah this is boring i know but you know that's just uh that's just the result. I, I feel is happening. It won't be a goal fest or anything, but uh, it should be. It should be a a boring old win for Dortmund, which is just what they need going into the international break. And after that, obviously, Dortmund will play against Bayern. So if they screw up against. Hamburg, they have a good chance of screwing up the next game as well, and then they can actually. Oh sure. Then we actually can talk about the crisis. But for now, I must agree uh, with Matthias without actually having heard his rant that Dortmund are not in full (laughs) crisis mode. And uh, without any further ado, uh, he will. We will uh, hear him now, and after that, I will ask you where people can find you on the internet.
2: Hey everybody, Matthias here. And uh, I apologize for missing the last few episodes here of the Yellow Wall. Its uh, work has unfortunately gotten in the way a couple too many times lately. But I definitely wanted to come back on and voice some of my thoughts and feelings as to a lot of the grumblings that have been around, especially in the German media landscape. Now, this whole thing about Don't Want being in crisis, being kind of a an also-ran club is certain, oh, well, I won't I'm not going to say less reputable, but uh, you know, media outlets, the the ones that focus a lot on Tim Wiese being a wrestler now, uh, would like us or like people to believe that Dortmund are in crisis mode. Well, I have to say that's just crap. You know, I'll be perfectly honest. I I don't buy into that narrative, false narrative at all. Now, if you're a fan of Werder Bremen, Wolfsburg, Ingolstadt, HSV or even in England Manchester United, those are clubs that are in crisis crisis of identity and crisis of results as uh, it was so eloquently put by, by Astolfa at high fall. Now, yeah, we sit sixth in the table right now. Not great. Um, but it's okay. It'll, it'll course correct itself. I think it's down to the fact that Dolman had quite a few injuries. And so the players that were fit were asked to play, you know, More or less every three days. And after a while, they'll just wear down on you. And you'll occasionally have matches like the second half against Sporting or, you know, honestly, the match against Charlottesville, where you're just a little bit off off your game. But if we just look at the numbers, and numbers don't lie, we still have the second best attack. Only Bayern are better. Yeah, we're fifth in defense right now, but, you know, that'll get better over time. Goal difference-wise... Well, we're tied third best goal difference with Köln, only Leipzig slightly better, and of course, Bayern significantly better. So I still see BFOB as the number one team to challenge. Bayern, not necessarily Leipzig, even though they had a great start to the season. So this whole crisis talk and a a manager who's out of sync with his players and even this minimal um, suspension for Aubameyang is being completely overblown by what amounts to a pro-Bayern media block out there, whether it's Bild or Sport1 or whatever. Um, The formerly great Doppelpass, now not so much. Uh, So I'd say everybody has to just relax a little bit, and we are still an incredibly good club playing very good football overall, and I think it'll all course-correct itself pretty quickly when people when players come back to full fitness so i know this wasn't a full-on crazy ass rant but you know i felt like it had to be said and i've been this has been building up now for a few weeks for me so anyway uh that's enough from me enjoy the rest of the show
1: well thank you matthias that was uh, ranty and spicy as always and just as everyone demands it Terry, you are still around here, Terry the Felon, And uh, I will now ask you where people can find you in, on the internet and read all of your work or listen to it. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I um, I have a couple of, po- well, I have a, one main podcast, which is The Sound of Football, which is a non-German football podcast. I also turn up from time to time on Talking Fußball uh, with with Matt and occasionally Nick when, when he's around. And I have a, a general Bundesliga newsletter, uh, and you can subscribe to that if you're uh, into that sort of thing, uh, at uh, tinyletter.com forward slash Bundesbag.
1: Yeah, awesome. You also have two Twitter accounts, right? One can follow you at, at yeah. Bundesbag and at Terry DeFelon. Which one is the one you would, uh, advise people to follow, if not both?
0: If you want to talk to me, then, then, then go to Terry DeFelon. The Bundesbag doesn't really get used that much these days. I don't spend a great deal of time on Twitter that much these days. I've been on Twitter since 2007 and I'm, kind of uh i'm not bored of it but i'm sort of you know i have a bit of social media fatigue if i'm being honest with you so uh but i mean i do check in on my uh terry defendant account a lot so if you want to take issue with everything anything i've said you're more than welcome to uh, to take issue with me on there and i'll uh, do my best to defend my atrocious opinions
1: (laughs) yeah well i i don't i don't think uh, you will get a lot of hate mail (laughs) or any to be honest because we have a very kind uh, listener base and if they have to comment on anything they're usually uh critical in a positive way which i really appreciate so thanks for that guys and uh yeah you don't have to worry uh social media fatigue means you still spend like two or three hours on there instead of 10 so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah that's that's all from from us uh please uh yeah check out the uh Borussia Dortmund fans from around from around the world podcast uh, that we also aired this this week with uh, the London fan club and their story as they drove a Borussia Dortmund taxi from London all the way to Dortmund for the Revere derby so that's something to listen to um Terry once again thank you for coming on and, uh, yeah, it has been sadly on a bit of a short notice that we haven't been free on here. So it was just us two, but I think you've done a brilliant job. So thanks again. And, uh, yeah, for funding the yellow wall.
0: It's my complete pleasure to be on the show. And I'm proud to, uh, to, to make a small contribution to the, to the show. Thank you. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, congratulations on all the great work that you do, uh, Stefan and, and Matthias. Uh, and, uh, thank you listeners for, for listening
1: yeah also great work to all the other guys um obviously who are constantly on the panel um and you can actually find me at Stefan Woodsco on twitter because I'm still yeah good of five hours per day on Twitter <laughs> not really, but you know you you know where I'm getting at um mm-hmm. you can find the show at yellow wall Pot, uh also on facebook yellow wall uh yellowwall dot com is our uh, website where you can find our written content and uh yeah if you want to subscribe to the show and haven't already done so you can do that on iTunes, on Stitcher and on SoundCloud. And uh, if if you like what you heard, please uh give us a nice little rating or a nice little review or any feedback in any sort of kind because that's uh always nice to to uh get. So yeah, thank you Terry. I would say that was episode one hundred and fifty nine now and we will talk after the match against Hamburg in the international break. Bye.
0: Goodbye.